the workers' mic. following episode of The Worker's Mic is powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. WGN Radio is not affiliated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left today, we're in a different studio, is Ed Maher. Good morning, Ed. What's happening, Ken? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday is right. Um, And Ed is now with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. And sitting to his left, there's Phil Davidson. Good morning, guys. What's How's it going, Phil? Burr. Yeah, no kidding. Phil is with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. And I'm going to start real quick um, because it's Sunday and tomorrow is a federal holiday. Do you know what holiday? I'm aware. You are? MLK Day, baby. Okay, I'm just testing you. Okay, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so, yes, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Um, and I think we would be remiss on a show entitled Workers Mike not to recognize uh, where Martin Luther King was when he was assassinated, and that was in Tennessee, right? He was uh, rallying with the sanitation workers. That's right. Uh, they were on strike, and it was in Memphis, and he, he was down there for for labor, right? And a lot of people kind of gloss over that that that's where he actually was uh, when he passed away or when he was when he was shot. Um, so I, I think uh, it. it it makes sense to pay homage to him. Yeah, he was a longtime labor advocate. I want to read a quote from him. The labor movement was the principal force that transformed misery and despair into hope and progress. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of which, um, it's pretty cold out today. <laughs> I wish listeners could see out our window and yeah. see that Lake Michigan and the Chicago River are currently steaming. <laughs> the water is so warm compared to the air that there are clouds of steam coming off and just, you know, you can barely see Navy Pier. Yeah, no, yeah. It's like, I've it's never like, seen it. It's like, like negative, dystopian it out like there. negative eight or something, I think, when when we got in here. And and, and look, you know, we're, we're lucky, right? We're sitting inside, uh, you know, doing our thing. Um, but there are a lot of folks that are out there that are working in these conditions outside, yeah, right? And, you know, what comes to mind is is the guys that are plowing and dropping salt and, you know, fixing main breaks and making sure that people have heat and water and gas. And, you know, they, they kind of go unnoticed. We salute them. For yeah. sure. Right? And yeah. The, and, the, and by the way, here in Chicagoland and the suburbs, they're union members, right? Yeah. Right. And, and these guys are literally getting up in the middle of the night. They're plowing the streets. Uh, and I'm talking about public works right now and highway departments and things like that. Because, you know, and, and, and of course, not to take away from police and fire. They're obviously, you know, extremely important. But a lot of people forget about the, the sort of guys. The public know, works the guys. public works guys. Because without, and girls. And, 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 and women. That's yeah. right. Um, but without, without plowing the roads, the the. Police couldn't get to where they need to go. The firefighters right. couldn't get to where they need to go. If, the, if there's a main break and there's no water going to that hydrant, they can't put out the fire. Yeah, you know, and there's I, no I, snow days for those people. Right. <laughs> yeah. snow, snow days are uh, we we uh, where, where I come from at 150. We used to call it snow overtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And they make a ton of money plowing snow, and it's blood money, right? I mean, yeah, what, we got guys in the building trades that plow uh, O'Hare and Midway. They'll be out there. 
you know, and sleeping in buses in between shifts and uh, out there for, you know, two, three days without getting home. Right straight. And I mean, they make an insane amount of money, but it is really, really tough. That's tough work. I want to say, though, my uh, my cousin was flying out to California on Friday Mm -hmm. and I woke up on Friday and saw the snow kind of with the morning rush and said, there's no way. Like she posted a picture. Oh, I hope I, you know, hope I can fly out. And it was like, why would you? I thought, why would you even go to the airport? There's no chance a plane's getting out. Three hours later, she's on a plane flying to so California. Get out of here! And, yeah, awesome. and I, I was just thinking, like, what, a, what an amazing job! All these that folks that are outside, yeah. right, de-icing the plane and plowing the the runways and making sure that you know people are safe. You know, kudos to them, and our hats are, are off to them in, in this kind of inclement weather. So, listen, we got to take a, a quick break, um, but we'll be back. We got a ton of stuff for you today, uh, right here on uh, the Workers' Mike Seven Twenty WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Ed. Sitting next to Ed is Phil. And uh, we were just talking about um, just brutal, brutal cold out there. But we have a, we have a ton of stuff to get to. Um, and, it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new year, and a lot of stuff is happening in the world of uh, the working class um, and let's start off with some good news, uh, what, what I think is good news, and that is, you know, we've talked uh, for, for the last year uh, about the UAW right, and, and what they're doing and, you know, kind of how exciting it is. And, and they're really like they took on the big three, but they did it in a different way than they've ever done it in the past. Right. right. They, would pick, they used to pick one and go, OK, we're going to go after Ford and everybody else is going to get in line after that. And this time. Um, their new leader, Sean Fain, decided that you know he was going to strike uh, selectively at all three. Yeah, it was a slow teams, burn, right? And they killed it. Yeah, I mean they absolutely killed it. Now, you know, he's made an, an, a promise to go organize the non-union auto workers, right? And so he's making progress, and I've been reading about it, right? Yeah, there were some interesting things that came out this week on that um, because, again, after the big win with the big three, the question was. Is the UAW going to be able to come through on its pledge to organize some of these non-union car makers, whether it's Tesla or you know various others? And um, in the past couple of weeks, we've seen notices that uh, at a Volkswagen plant and then at a Mercedes plant yeah. most recently, they had gotten thirty percent of the people to sign cards. Yep. So the UAW posted a graphic that laid out their plan, and they're telling their members how we win our union. It's called the thirty fifty seventy plan. When they have thirty percent. Of the people signing cards, they yep. go public and put it in the news. Yep. At 50%, they hold a rally, and at 70%, they go to the company and demand to be recognized. Right. So what I am getting out of all this is they've got a plan. I mean, and and watching and thinking back, hearing all of these groups that they've said, hey, we've got 30% of cards signed at this plant and this yeah. plant, they're – they're doing it. It's it's moving yeah. forward, and it's good to have a plan, right? Yeah, you know, I, mean, yeah. I think we've talked about this for the last year. You have to have a plan, right? right? Yeah. Do, do no harm, and so the, not only do they have a plan, they're making their plan public. This is what the plan is, and it's, yeah. right? and it's working. And, and, and guess what? As an organizer, I always assume that management knew every single thing I was doing. Yeah, because right? somebody's going to say something or you know whatever, right? And they're making no bones about it. This is what we're doing. And and workers are coming to the UAW from non-union companies. Like this isn't like them showing up at a job site and, and reaching out to workers. Like they're actually fielding calls from people from BW. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's great. What's the what's that at stake, if you will? Like how many people we're talking about, Phil? I think you uh, one hundred fifty thousand non-union auto workers in the country. 
as they're going after every single one of them. That's amazing. Yeah. 150,000. And they already represent 150,000 auto workers. But they also, the UAW has about four or 500,000 members. They're in a lot of industries that are not what you would think auto workers, right? Right. They do like nurses and lawyers and just various things. But it's it's good to, well, I think you have to do that in order to survive. Yeah. And they also, you know, hey, organize the unorganized. Exactly. Right? It doesn't necessarily matter. if you're from an industry that has small union representation, it's tough to get with them. Go get, go go in the South and organize in the South. That's where they're going, yeah. really tough, right? Right to work, laws. Indiana as well. I saw Indiana's on that list, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so good for them. Uh, more locally, Ed, I think you mentioned that uh, there was a, a strike that was a, uh, a potential strike that was averted. Yeah. And it was a, a funny strike, wasn't it? I, it w- it, I don't know if it would have been a funny strike. I guess it could have been um, because it was the the faculty at Second City. So Second City, right? John Belushi. Right. If you're if you're from the city Chris of Chicago. Farley, or, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. A who's who of comedy all-stars. Yeah. Absolutely. So in addition to uh, putting on shows you know, every weekend and I think throughout the week, they've got three or four theaters in that building right. uh, up in Old Town. They also run classes. And I want to say they had 200 faculty, was it? Wow. It was an enormous faculty. They run a ton of classes. I actually know a handful of people who've taken classes and put on shows there. And um, they hadn't had a contract, I think, in two years since they were bought by a venture capital firm. So they've been fighting over a contract for two years and had said that they were planning on going on strike on Tuesday. Mm. And, um, you know, the news... At their shows, right? They were going to be striking outside their shows. Right. Yeah. Right. So the the news, I think, um, either Friday night or last night was that they had come to a tentative agreement. They didn't put out the terms, but I think there was, um, you know, there were wages were part of it. And then I think scheduling as well. But... Um, but yeah, big news for Second City. They got a contract. Uh, just the threat to go on strike got them to a deal. Uh, be looking forward to seeing what the terms of it were. Good, good. I think you know you're seeing strikes uh, become more prevalent, if you will. And they're expanding. I know they're going to New York as well. They're kind of mm-hmm. there used to be several different companies that specialize in improv training for the next generation of movie and TV stars, and a lot of them have closed. So it's kind of like right. yeah. Second City is the name in the game right now, and that's great. They're expanding. You ever go to the shows? I have been. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Ken? Yeah, I, my son uh, took lessons when he was little. No kidding. Well. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. And uh, yes, I have been to the shows, and they're brilliant. Right, right. Especially the improv. Yeah. That is not easy to do. No, I mean being funny at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean it comes natural to me. Yeah, obviously yeah. we're gifted. Right? I yeah. prepare for hours and hours, and I'm still not funny. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. I know. So speaking of funny. Um, the Onion, right? You know that newspaper, The Onion? I love The newspaper, really great, really smart, really funny. Uh, I, I don't even know if it's in print anymore. It hasn't been for many years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, a, what, a, what a shame. Based out of Madison, Wisconsin, originally. That, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And there's a tie to the Midwest. So they, uh, I guess The Onion was bought also by Venture Capital. And, you know, I just read something on social media it was like oh look at these funny posts from the writers of the onion complaining about their work conditions and whatnot and yeah they were funny and they're always funny right these guys are smart uh guys and gals are smart smart people but guess what they used to have 80 people working there now they have 30 yeah so write all the funny posts you want but when you've lost more than half your bargaining unit it's not funny yeah do so- something about it and don't join after you get bought by venture capital Right, a la the trib, if you will. Yeah. Right, we have the Tribune guy, and they're talking mm-hmm. about what's going on there. They get decimated, and venture capital comes in. And what's the what's what's the name of the game for them? Squeeze. Right. Extract capital. Right. That's right. And labor before capital. So you know. It, so I uh, so I read about that, and I don't yeah. know. I thought I thought it was. Uh, 
Well, if it's like if it's like the Tribune, I mean, some of these firms, I know specifically with the Tribune, with Alden Capital, they have a certain amount of money that they need to get out of this and return to investors every year. And if that means you have to fire a couple more people to get that extra money, that's what they do. Um, you know, quality of the publication sort of uh, comes second, and I, that's specific to the Tribune. Uh, they're still they're still fighting that fight over there, and uh, certainly look, wish look, them the I best. Mean, you know, look what happened in the Sun Times. I mean, they went through so many iterations. That used to be a you know a pretty hefty yeah. number two paper in the city, and it's tiny now. Yeah, right. It's yeah. still union now. It's still, and, absolutely and still union. It seems union like if you talk the, to their employees over there, they're happy. Yeah, versus the Tribune. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess full disclosure, labor bought the uh, bought the sometimes to keep it afloat. We had a vested interest, yes. Yeah, right, yeah. to keep it afloat, right? The the building trades, you know, I think carpenters, operators, right? And yeah, laborers, electricians. CFL. There were a handful of, uh-huh. I think, maybe four or five unions that each threw in, uh, you know, seven-figure sums of money just to, to keep, keep to make sure Chicago stayed a two-paper town. And now who owns it? NPR? Uh, they started a new company, Chicago Public Media Group, something something yeah. like that. But in it's conjunction NPR. with WBEZ. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. Well, good. We, we, we need look. We need two newspapers here. Yeah. Um, so, in other news, um, you know, I'm just trying to tick off these things that I've been reading about. Uh, Indiana, right? Our our great neighbor. Yes. Uh, to the east. Yes. Um, has proposed a bill that would allow children, and I say children, um, to drop out of school at eighth grade, and always work, a good idea, and work on farms. Fourteen year olds, forty hours a week. They can, is it only farm work? From what I read, it was only farm work. Okay. Right? So they, they had the other ones for 15 and 16-year-olds. Yeah. So they can continue <laughs> to work booze, as well. Work in the mines. Yeah. And I saw, some, I saw a docks. woman, I can't remember, It was. I saw a legislator, she was standing up. She's like, I just want to say, for all those of you that are you know, complaining about child labor, these are not children. They're teenagers. Like, lady, oh. lady, they can't vote. You know what I mean? They can't drive. A 14-year-old can't drive a car. Right. He's going to drive a giant combine. That's not dangerous. Honestly. Right? And so here it is, child labor. Like, we're I'm uncomfortable with, like, 21-year-olds in the workforce, let alone 14-year-olds. Well, I mean, you know, like, are they millennials? Your, your, your brain isn't developed yet. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, Iowa, Iowa had something in their child labor law that we talked about a whole bunch in 2023 where – you could um, get out of school early, or they could they could work a certain amount of hours. And the idea was, during a harvest, they would um, you know they would work after school or whatever. They could work a certain amount of hours. So there was an argument to be made there where you could sort of see maybe where farmers were coming from if it was a, a just a short amount of time. But in Indiana, they're doing none of that. They're they're making no bones about this. They're like dropping out of school. Usually you can't do it till you're 16. Right. We're doing it at 14. Yeah. And they're working full time. No school, just farming. Sure. Um, you want to talk about going back in time? Going backwards, yeah. I don't understand the need for it. I just don't. It doesn't make any sense. What happened to all the immigrants that are taking our jobs? And, yeah. And all the unemployment and the terrible inflation. Now we're going to go to kids. And, and, yeah. And so then literally, they just it doesn't make any sense because why do you need children to work? Yeah. You, you, it, Either the economy is doing so you know poorly that we have to send kids into work, or what? Uh, there's no such thing as the immigrants actually taking our jobs. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't quite understand. Yeah. What What the, was the behind concept. this? Was this Indiana caving to the "We Hate School" lobby? Got kids being like, <laughs> "We're done with school." Like, all right, it's like, who was pushing for this? I, I don't mean, even get it. The The thing is, what's interesting that I, I think a lot of listeners might not know is the the rule to keep kids in school until they were 16 was originally p- pushed, you know, 80 years ago probably or more 
um, by groups, I'm not going to say the names of the groups, but of uneducated white males who were concerned that children were taking their work. So if you could force the kids to be in school, yeah. then they would be able to continue to provide for their families. So Hold it them seems, down, yeah. Yeah, it seems like Indiana is going backward on that. Um, as, as are a lot of states, you know, and so, you know, along those, that same vein, and I know this is something that's uh, important to you, Ed, because you've talked about it a bunch of times, is the, this issue of school lunches and, and like us literally not feeding our own children. And yeah. so 15 Republican governors have turned down um, federal funds that would provide uh, food assistance for children during the summer months when they're not in school. Yeah. And they said... No, thank you. We don't yeah. like welfare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and look, these are these are coming from states that, quite frankly, are probably in the zone of not contributing enough taxes to pay for their own services. Oh, guaranteed, right? right? Guaranteed. You know, and and, and they're going to turn down this money to not feed children um, school lunches during the summer. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and how does that affect us, the working class? Right? How does that affect everybody? Well, you have to then go out and get that second job so you can feed your kid, right? As opposed to taking, look, we got a bazillion, trillion, gazillion dollars for the military, mm-hmm. right? And we need it, but we can't like feed our kids. Well, let me let, think about it like this. If there was a kid, if you if you had a kid in school and they had a friend that wasn't getting enough to eat because the, the parents were out of work or something completely out of the kid's control, yeah. would you invite that kid over maybe for dinner once a week or of something? Course. And would you think of that as welfare? No. Or do you think of that as just doing the right thing doing for right somebody thing, who, yeah. yeah. Right. So the idea that this is being framed as welfare, because you're getting offered free money and you're saying no because you think you can score political points on it maybe. Yeah. But these are kids that don't have another option. And these are right. kids who can't eat through no fault of their own, maybe Correct. through no fault of their parents. Right. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, how many tax incentives are offered to businesses to build in those states? And, right. You know? You know, you make a really good point. Yeah. It's like they didn't say no to the tax cuts Mm-mm. for the wealthy, right? They're like, yeah, we'll take all that money. And they haven't made, you know – the the giant megacorps of the world pay their fair share of taxes no. and exactly what you said phil they're actually giving tax incentives like hey uh you know amazon come here and build and we're going to give you a tax incentive even yeah. though you're offshoring all your profits and not paying taxes yeah so it's we'll, just, we'll cap your property taxes or whatever it is like they they and then when that happens then it's the rest of the taxpayers like us who have to foot the bill you know, right, it's, right. It, it's it's balanced on our backs. So it just I don't know. It was uh, it seems uh, anathema to me. Um, I don't quite understand it, um, but I think uh, I don't know. It just it just seems like sign of the times. Uh, you're exactly right. We're just we're going backwards, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, we're going to be talking about um, in the next segment. I want I want to talk about a case that is coming up in in the United States Supreme Court. Um, that they just took, and so uh, I'll, I'll leave it with that because it's important. Related to right. Starbucks, right? Yeah, related yeah. to Starbucks, of course. Um, but yes, it is. It is a sign of the times right now that we are literally just seems to be going the wrong way in a lot of regards. And then you have, you know, the UAWs of the world and and the SAG afters and the Teamsters and everybody fighting the good fight, right? And making some strides. So it's you know, it's it's real it's good versus evil. Yeah, good versus evil. I right. like it. All right, listen, we got to take a quick break. Uh, oh, oh, we have one minute left. So one more minute, okay? Um, I'll give you two seconds. Ready? Massachusetts teachers uh, went on a three-day illegal strike. Okay. And 
they're not allowed to strike. Uh, teachers can't strike in Massachusetts, in the state of Massachusetts, right? They want an illegal strike. Anyway, which I love. Yeah. I absolutely love it. You're going to fire all the teachers in the whole you, state? What are you going to do? And I think it was like in Andover or something like that. And uh, there was a lot of them. And they went on a three-day strike. And they uh, immediately, after two years of the the uh, board saying no, they immediately got like a 37 to 60% pay raise. Wow. And it's like, what do you Statewide? You know, uh, for, I guess, this Andover, uh, okay. you know, somewhere, whatever, that school district. But it's like, what are you going to do? Put me in labor board jail, right? How <laughs> is a strike so. illegal? Like, yeah. isn't a strike protected by First Amendment? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, you say, go back to work. I insist you go back to work. Right. Right? Yeah. It yeah. Just uh, back to the front, as Metallica would say. Mm-hmm. Just, and I'll, I'll right. say this. I mean, teachers, if you have kids in school, you know that your teacher, your kids' teachers are probably taking money out of their own pocket to buy school supplies and help kids who don't have money for crayons Absolutely. and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, listen, we we actually, now we have to take a break. Um, you're listening to The Worker's Mike right here on 720 WGN. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Worker's Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mike right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting next to me is Ed Maher, also with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. And Phil Davidson, as usual, with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council on a cold Sunday morning. Frigid. Holy cow. The lake um, is still steaming. I just took, I checked the window. There's your weather report. Thank you so much. <laughs> How the waves? Uh, they're pretty smooth. Not much going on. I think the, the, the lake might be freezing. Shout out, Louie. Yeah, we get a, what do they call it? Stand up paddleboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people do surf in this weather. It's great in Lake Michigan. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like those people that like. Did you watch the Chiefs game last night? It was the people that take their shirts oh, off. I know. How do you not get frostbite? I don't know. You're, you're not supposed to expose your skin to this kind of weather. <laughs> no. And I'm going to say that uh, beer might have had something to do with it. Possibly. I'm, well, in temperatures like that, if you put your beer down, yeah. like on the concrete, at least at Soldier Field, it freezes yeah. in like a minute or two minutes. So if you get a beer at that game, those people are drinking fast, <laughs> which explains, you know, <laughs> well, the painted you shirt off. Somebody taking the shirt off. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for the Chiefs, by the way. Didn't uh, Pat Mahomes' helmet get cracked? Yeah, last it, was night so it was so cold. Yeah, he got he got hit, and uh, it was like helmet to helmet. It wasn't like a, a illegal play or anything like that. But uh, yes, a piece of his helmet cracked off. Yeah, who's That's making insane. these helmets? Let's go. I don't made know. in China or something? Made out of ice. <laughs> ice, so. ice helmets. Well, they had to de- they had to delay the the Buffalo game. They had to postpone it because um, of the amount of snow. I saw an ad where they were trying to get people to come and shovel inside the stadium for $20 an hour. <laughs> really? Yeah, inside yeah. the stadium during the game to just shovel. And, uh, That'd be fun. I know, and it said underneath, the expected snowfall for the game is between one to Up three, to three feet. feet. <laughs> Not <laughs> inches. They, they don't even measure <laughs> inches in Buffalo. No. Buffalo gets the most snow in the entire yeah, United Buffalo's States. Yeah, Buffalo's wild. Yeah. It well, is the tundra there. Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's where it came from. So, all right, listen, I we talked about the... Um, this case that uh, the Supreme Court just recently decided to take. And and I'm going to try and I'm going to do my best to regurgitate what was told to me last night by a wonderful uh, union side attorney named Rob Pasta. What up, Rob? What's up, Rob? Thank Uh, you, Rob. Just a really, really good dude and took the time out of his uh, night with his family to explain this to me in layman's terms because I had brought the case up, I think, to Phil 
an ad mm-hmm. to which Phil replied, like, well, can... You are the you're attorney the, here. You're the lawyer, so you explain it. And I realized <laughs> very quickly that I would have to read 200 pages of documents and really actually understand what I was talking about. Yeah. So instead of doing that, I just uh, I outsourced it. Yeah, it was, isn't that Rob. what a good lawyer does, though? You know when to make a referral to <laughs> another attorney? Absolutely. Yeah. It's your... So I outsourced it to Rob Pasta from uh, Local 150 of the Operators, and he literally, within an hour, had a synopsis for me uh, via email. So uh, thank you so much, Rob. We've, we'll have to check around and see if we can get you a t-shirt or something for, for your hard work. Yeah. Yes. Maybe you'll be a legal correspondent. I like that. Um, for no pay, of course. No. Right? You, like an intern. That's yeah. right. Let's not yeah. get too carried away here. Yeah. <laughs> you can't spoil these workers, Ken. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So here's, so here's the case, right? Uh, and I'm going to do my best to explain it and explain it in a way that is easy to understand. Um, in uh, When the uh, Starbucks Workers United uh, started... Um, organizing, I think it was Memphis again, which mm-hmm. is serendipitous because of uh, MLK, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And they fired seven workers. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you know, you let people, like, I don't know, you let a journalist into when they were closed or something like that. And of course, you know, it, it seemed to me that it was pretty apparent that it was simply a message to everybody else, like, hey, we're going to fire you if you support the union. Yeah, retaliation. Right? Yeah, of course. And and that is, by the way, the oldest trick in the, in the book. They just fire a bunch of people because what happens? Not much. Not Every, much. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Slap on the wrist. Workers will be afraid. That's right. And it took a year or two to get these folks back to work. So in the meantime, right, what happens? Do they get unemployment? I don't know. Does that run out? Of course. Do they have to get another job? Sure. Yeah. You know, or, or, you know are they going to have to go to a food pantry to make ends meet? You know, it, there's all sorts of ramifications. And, and, you know, it's a typical employer tactic to, to literally try and starve some folks out. Mm-hmm. Right? Um so what the uh, National Labor Relations Board did was they went to court and they asked for an injunction. And what does an injunction mean in plain English? It means that we want you, the court, to tell uh, the, the opposing party that you need to do X, Y, and Z right now. Yeah. And it says, then the court goes, yeah, you're right. So in this case, they said, look, you need to rehire these seven workers right now. And they went to court and they got an injunction. And the court agreed, said, yep, we're going to rehire these seven workers. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Seven guys are, uh, seven folks are back to work. Um, and it's not an end of the case because the case is still working its way it through, through appeals, appeals yeah. and all the kind of stuff that, but the, uh, through all its machinations. But in the meantime, these seven workers are now back to work. And by the way, they were off for quite some time. The the concept is let's put them back to work. Let's make them whole. Let's you know let's try and you know even up the playing field a little bit while this case goes on because these cases take years. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, right. And so um, they went back to work, and Starbucks, of course, appealed that decision, and they appealed it to the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court uh, has the luxury of doing one or two things. They can say no, thank you. Mm-hmm. They don't have to take. An appeal, right? So many cases get appealed to the Supreme Court. Um, or they can say, yeah, we're going to listen to this case. Mm-hmm. And in labor parlance, when the Supreme Court says they're going to hear a case that yeah. has to do with a union, it, it's generally not good for us. I wonder when the last good decision came out of well, the Supreme Court. Well, it's funny. Funny you should say that, The Ed. New Deal, maybe? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was in the 1940s. Wow. So. 
Yeah, literally. I'm not. I'm not yeah. making that up. Yeah. Um. You know, there's been a couple of cases here or there that that have been decent. There's been some cases definitely that are you know pro employee and some you know diversity cases and civil rights cases and things like that. But you want to talk about a union case? There hasn't been a pro union case literally since like the 1940s. There's been things that have like stopped short of allowing uh, corporate America. Uh, to decimate unions, period. Yeah, um, there's been some of those, like a little bit of a stopgap or a little bit of a you know cut the baby, um, split the baby, uh, you know things like that. Um, but in terms of like an actual Supreme Court case moving the ball forward for labor, it's almost a hundred years. Yeah, right. imagine that. It seems to be pro business over there. You think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, the, so the Supreme Court takes this case, and the question is, you know, what's I mean, it's a goofy question. Who cares? It's what's the standard for an injunction, you know? And half the circuits in the, you know, uh, country have, you know, this four-part test, and then a bunch of other circuits just say, it's, you know, it's a reasonable standard or whatever. And so it was so important that the Supreme Court has to take their time, effort, and, you know, make a ruling on this thing. And what do you think they're going to do? They're going to make it as hard as humanly possible for the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, to get an injunction. So yeah. in, in plain English, what that means, I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just a simple country boy over here. But uh, <laughs> this is that the, the people who are fired, instead of only having to wait a year and a half or maybe two years to get put back to work, right? Um, they're going to have to wait through the entire appeals process. The courts are not going to wait five to seven years. Yeah. yeah, it's it's whatever whatever the number is. They're going to wait a really really long time, and by the time they're done, they're going to literally be into year two or three of their next career. Right. And do they want to go back to work after that? No. And does it send a message to everybody else? Of course it does. Well, yeah. right, because half of Americans, or maybe more than half, the number always is heading in the wrong direction, uh, are living paycheck to paycheck yeah. and can't afford a two hundred dollar unexpected expense. So. If you say, hey, you're fired, but we're going to get you your job back in three years, that's an emergency. That's a crisis for that worker, for their family. All day, every day. And so, you know, people talk about why elections are important, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that we're going to unfortunately have to discuss politics this year because Mm -hmm. it's a a large election year. Yeah. Um, A lot at stake. A lot at stake. And Supreme Court uh, nominations, right? come from, I should even say nominations, appointments, appointments right? right? <laughs> Let's put it this way. For the Dems, it's a nomination. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't, you know, you don't get appointed. And then uh, when it, the shoe's on the other foot, they're like, it's I'm going to pack the court as yeah. quickly as humanly possible. Right. And so these Supreme Court justices are on uh, the Supreme Court for life. Yeah. The minute you get appointed, you have a lifetime appointment until you die. Yeah. And, or or until you retire, right? And in the case of Clarence Thomas, you can spend that lifetime taking uh, money and things of value. Lavish gifts. From and, uh, people that are arguing be- before the court. Beautiful RVs, yeah. you know. And, I wonder uh, if he's friends with uh, Howard Schultz, the C- or the founder of uh, Starbucks. I don't know. We can ask him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you send his kid to college for him? Yeah. So, so once again, you know, I go back to elections are important. Why? Because the party in power gets to appoint judges. Now, the last uh, administration before this current one appointed, what, three or four judges? Three. three. And all really, really conservative. conservative right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what does that mean? It, it means that, you know, the, uh, the backtracking on Roe v. Wade. Right, uh, the backtracking on you know the Janus case and all this kind of stuff. Right, the, so 
there's there's no real impetus for the Supreme Court to, you know, I'm not going to say interpret the laws as they should, but to, to lean in, in a direction that's, you know, quasi-neutral or yeah. helpful to working class people, because at the end of the day, what happens to the Supreme Court? Nothing. It's the same thing with, you know, what happens to these corporations that break the National Labor Relations Act? Nothing. Yeah. And so people are screaming for um, term limits, right? Yeah. That makes sense to me. You know, I think there should be term limits. I think um, most other countries have term limits for their Supreme Courts. I think that's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know. In the state of Illinois, for the state Supreme Court, it's a 10-year ten ten term, right? Yeah. 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 Or age limits or things like that. I mean, there, there has to be some accountability. They didn't, the Supreme Court didn't even have its own rule of ethics, right? No. Yeah. And so all of a sudden they're like, you know, we not until Clarence Thomas came along, <laughs> or got caught. We yeah. should, we, we should uh, the Supreme Court is now all of a sudden like, yeah, we should uh, we should have some ethics. Yeah, rules, maybe. You know? I don't know. Like, like the rest of the lawyers. Yeah, yeah. maybe but, maybe we shouldn't be bought and paid for. And I mean, to your point on uh, on age limits, I think if the country was ever ready for that conversation, heading into another Biden v. Trump election is what it looks like is going to happen next November or this a- November. Eighty versus eighty. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be getting kind of tricky, and I think Americans on both sides will uh, will understand the arguments for for uh, potentially doing some age yeah. limits for the president. I, I, I think that's right, and, yeah. and you know what? I also think it would, to be blunt with you, keep um, keep the court a little more honest right yeah i mean in in politics and now in the courts there's no middle ground it's one side versus the other side that is that is is an absolute true statement and i think people on both sides uh just ordinary folks are kind of living in with a little bit of anxiety that whatever issue is important to them whether you're pro-abortion anti-abortion workers rights gun stuff sure you're worried that the other guy is going to take your rights away um, when all Americans want, I think, is a little bit of middle ground. Like, take the partisanship at least out of the courts. Yeah, well, that's for sure. If you could, if the courts are partisan, and, and the, the, the you know back to the Supreme Court because people's um, faith in the Supreme Court has really plummeted. Yeah, right. It used to be like, hey, it's the Supreme Court's a law of the land. They're going to be fair. They're going to uh, interpret the Constitution, and they're going to make a just and fair ruling. And you realize that it's, it's been lost. Yeah, it has been lost. Yeah, and if you lose that, like I, you kind of expect it from politicians, right? Right. Not to the extent that it has gotten <laughs> over the past, you know, bunch of years. It's gotten yeah. really, really polarized. Yeah. There's no middle, right? Yeah. In um, Wisconsin, but, they tried to impeach that woman who won. They thought about it. Right. Impeach. Yeah. Before she took her seat. Before right? she even took her seat. Yeah. 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 Um, she's got a hard to pronounce last name. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think, I think they finally came I think to their Janet. senses. Yeah, <laughs> Janet something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they did. They decided not to do it. Yes, but just the fact that they thought about it. Yeah, before she even means it's probably going to happen. Yeah, at some point, right? Yeah. Somebody's going to try it. I mean, they're doing everything else. Right. There, there's no more. So, bipartisan seems to be a thing of the past, right? Yeah. And when you have, you know, basically a backstop that is the Supreme Court, you can say like, "Hey, we're going to bust the union, and then we're going to go to the Supreme Court." And we're going to try and have the National Labor Relations Board completely invalidated, right. like Mr. Elon Musk is doing. Like he's yeah. pushing for Literally yeah. trying to invalidate the entire National Labor Relations Speaking Board. Speaking of Elon Musk, isn't his board expressing concerns over his drug use yes. at this point? Phil, yes. you were saying something about that? There was a big article in the Wall Street Journal of all places, so this wasn't some liberal rag. And they didn't say allegedly. No. It said that uh, the board is very concerned over Elon's use of drugs. Obviously... His company's uh, ex, formerly known as Twitter in particular, lost uh, significant market share, I think $600 billion in yeah. market cap. 
And there's concern because according to these articles, uh, Elon's been regularly using cocaine, ecstasy, ketamine, and there's concerns from the board of these companies that he runs that shareholders could potentially file a suit for that's interesting yeah yeah Um, i I get it and that's the wall street journal right right, i know coming from a business paper yeah one of the most conservative papers in the country hey hey, everybody you know he might be open uh, the shareholders to a suit or or the board to a shareholder suit right yeah Uh, guy not doing his job because he's not only literally literally high yeah high in space you think all these drugs would like enlighten him to the power of unions (laughs) in helping the worker like that's what they're about right all i'm saying he needs to do ayahuasca like, <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers. He does. Let's, start that. He does. Let's make sure the guy who's building the rockets and sending people into space is not on hard drugs. <laughs> that's a good point. You want to get point. in his rocket ship? Yeah. yeah. I think that's a middle ground we can all agree Fair on. Fair enough. There yeah. you go. We have our first bipartisan agreement. Right. All right. All right. Listen, we got to take a, a, a quick break, and then we'll be back with more of the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. Ken Edwards, Ed Maher, Phil Davidson, um... So we only have a we have a few minutes, and Ed, you wanted to. We got a listener of the week. We do. We have a listener of the week. It's actually two listeners of the week. Two listeners. Yeah, and that's we have two listeners. I think we might only have two listeners. Well, I know we got one because I got a really nasty email from one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the guy who sent me a nasty email, I'm not making this up. He put his actual phone number on the email. Really? Yeah. Can he you put, share what his complaint was? Uh, Ken, you're a clown. Your show. <laughs> S-word, I'm not even sure if I could say that. Okay. It's bad. Your show's okay. bad, and uh, unions kill manufacturing. Nothing about me personally, though? Um, no. It was all, oh, I'm fine it was, with it was real, Yeah, you're okay with it? <laughs> okay. The guy's was last you. name was Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not kidding. He put his phone number on it. Don't think I'm not like above calling. Yeah. I you called. Know? You called. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, a, but we have some positive, right? Yeah, we have uh, a couple of listeners of the week, and that is uh, Roberta, Bobby Kiwi, and Big Tom Kiwi. Uh, I've known these two for a long time, and I get messages regularly uh, from Bobby Kiwi just saying, you know, great job. We listen to you on Sundays. Um, That's and, nice. Yeah, Tom Kiwi ran a muffler shop forever. He was that guy who uh, our friend's dad had a muffler shop, so uh-huh. when we were young and broke and sure. trashed our cars, he yeah. always fixed them for us on the cheap. So. That's nice. We love you, Tom. Thank you, Bobby. Tying your muffler with the wire coat hanger. Whatever it is. You know, it was like 30 bucks. I'm not asking questions. I got bring it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so just want to throw a shout-out. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Yeah, it's nice. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, over the past uh, few weeks, I've gotten a bunch of phone calls, and, you know, the MCL gets lots of calls. Um, but one woman said, are you the one on the radio? And I was like, I have. Like, I can recognize your voice. I love Look your show. That. And that was really nice, you know? You hear that, so, WGN executives? I said, Mom, what do you stop calling me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I, I just want to touch on this one thing that I read. Um, and, and that is uh, sort of this tone-deaf CEO um, from a company called Wayfair. Now, I don't think Wayfair is a sponsor of the... Uh, the uh, workers mike right not to my knowledge okay fair enough good so this guy at the end of the year um 2023 sent out his sort of i don't know what you want to call it holiday missive to his workforce and wayfair is a pretty big company Man, yeah. right? they sell overpriced couches <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that you have to put together. <laughs> yes. Right. It's like an Ikea that's sent to your house. Right. Oh, it's really annoying. Yeah. So he sent a message to everybody that basically said, next year you got to work harder. Right. And put in more hours. And there's not any problem. There's, there's no sh- problem with combining work life and home life. Like, blending the two is fine. And lazy people have never gotten successful. I mean, that was his message to his, you know, I beg to differ. People that are like, don't even want to come to the office anymore or working from home and remotely and probably a decent amount of, you know, Gen Z's and millennials. And so that was his message to them. And you want to talk about not reading the room? Like when the the world is like, hey, we need a little yeah. bit more work life balance. Yeah. Are you right? going to offer a raise to people who work harder? Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. Just, yeah. just work harder. Just work harder. And it, right. Will, right. It, and it wasn't even necessarily just work harder. It was let's let's just stop having a firm line between your work life right. and your personal <laughs> yeah. life. So like, just work all. the You're time. always working, is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, we get you for a flat rate called a salary, so <laughs> yeah. we just like you to work more hours. <laughs> and uh, look, it's one of those things where you know it's funny because like we. Have I just mentioned I, t- I called Rob Pasta last night, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, union lawyer. And on a Saturday night, he stopped doing what he was doing and, and you know, did some stuff for me and, and helped out the show. And we, we appreciate it. Um, I always felt like labor and what we do, what all of us do here for a living is, is more of a, to be blunt with you, a cause, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, I'm, maybe I was wrong on that, you know. Uh, but, you know, you live, eat, and breathe this stuff, right? I don't know that anybody is, you know, live eating and breathing, you know, selling couches, hard furniture to put together, yeah. furniture that we were importing from wherever the heck it is and, yeah. and selling it, you know, online. They were born to um, do that. So, yeah, it's like, I don't know that, that that's a cause. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there should be some some limits to, you know, people working and, you know. You know, this whole thing with the gig economy now, right? People are yeah. working when they want to work and, oh, it's so great, you know, which is, we'll, we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, there's a big story coming yeah, up on that. we have a huge story coming up on that maybe in the next week or two. Yeah. I want to discuss that. But um, I don't know. I just thought it was it was kind of tone deaf. And, you know, it's easy to sit there when you're the CEO and you're making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, I would you love to see the everybody. wages of the lowest paid employee at Wayfair. People working in the warehouses, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm yeah. sure it's nothing, yeah. too. So... Anyway, um, shame on you, uh, CEO of Wayfair. <laughs> Kept it for the last thirty seconds. Yes, uh, and I don't know. I don't know your name, uh, and I don't, I don't really care. No. Um, but you know, and um, start making stuff in America. By the way, Wayfair. How about that? So we got to go. Um, it's been a great show. Uh, stay warm, and if you don't have to go outside, please don't. Um, you've been listening to the Workers' Mic right here on seven twenty WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.